Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Now, in this episode, I'm going to continue a story. I'm going to talk to you about the first trip in a specific agenda that we are currently engaged in in Bangladesh football. So as many of you know, um, I'm currently the uh, national coach or one of the national coaches for the Bangladesh Football Federation and living and working in Dhaka with the Bangladesh Football Federation. And one of the projects that we are engaged in uh, coming up to the second year, if you like, or the second phase of the programme is the, the scouting, essentially the, scou- the scouting and the finding of new talent for the youth teams of Bangladesh. And look, the, the brutal reality is that in this very young nation, there is tremendous amounts of potential. There is tremendous amounts of hunger for success. And there are a great, great many people who are committed and seriously involved and have great desires about the nation, about its success in sporting terms, particularly in football. Obviously, it's a big cricketing nation, um, but there are many, 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 many people in, involved in what you'd call grassroots levels, although in comparison, and this is not a, this is not a criticism in any way, it's just a pure comparison because this is the reality of the situation that we face, that the grassroots level and the grassroots facilities and the grassroots understanding here is so sparse compared to that in the UK and probably that in the rest of Europe or the most most of Europe who come under UEFA's jurisdiction. And this was a common a commonality that was totally apparent at the U, at the uh, AFC, the Asian Football Confederation's youth meeting and. Um, when when I was fortunate enough to attend attend the AFC conference, talking to other nations, the Nepalese, the Indians, you know, the, the Taiwanese, many, many other nations in, in Asia. It is a common thing that the grassroots levels, the the players, the boys and the girls from eight up to twelve, there is not anywhere near the level of organization that exists in many European countries. And there's a great hunger to get that in place because the it, it's been proven really, um, although the models do vary between countries, it's been proven and shown that, that having that structure in place, that developmental structure, those support networks, those committed people, the financial input, and the expertise helps young people. It helps them in their journeys. It helps them progress and develop. And obviously as a result of that, of those individuals developing and those teams developing, it creates a pool 
of increased talent for the national team, which is obviously what the national coaches and the, the federation are, are, are concerned about and obviously interested in doing. So that part of the jigsaw puzzle, if you like, that there's so much to do, but there is so much potential. So in the short term, because we've got we've got competitions next year in, in 2020, so I'm going to date this podcast by, by mentioning that. We are this is just a story. So I, I want to share the story with you because let me just go back one stage. Well, this is a podcast and sometimes it will be a little bit disjointed. So I haven't written this down. I'm speaking from the heart. I'm speaking from sitting here in Dhaka in the reality of the situation, just having returned from the first scouting mission. And we need in the short term to address the issue that we need some brand new under 15 players to represent the country next year. So we have a, a limited amount of time. So we've got about two months to go and scout those players. And then we've got another three to four months, 16 weeks, 12 to 16 weeks to actually hone that talent to create a squad of international players that will represent Bangladesh. Now, the really wonderful, amazing, exciting thing for us national coaches, and certainly for me personally, is that I'm tasked with that, we are tasked with that, and it's like we've got carte blanche. So, in you know, this this opportunity is one where basically it's it's not a do-it-yourself program the fact that it's just me it's a team of people it's a team of administrators it's a it's a financially driven thing from the federation and we have a great team of people of, of foreign coaches and and also fantastic bangladeshi coaches as well who who are all part of the team so the story goes that we need to find these players so a couple of a couple of months ago we put a plan together to go out and within this vast, vast country, imagine there's a vast country, a young, vast country with many, many young people in it, hungry for success, hungry for opportunities to go out and find within this 170 million people to go out and find 30 players. And this particular project is about the boys. So 30 young boys to go out and represent their country. So we've we've designed the the program of the talent hunt if you want to call it or the scouting missions and the first one was to a place called Maiman Singh which is Bangladesh's second most populous city and it's about a three hour journey 120 kilometers a three hour journey or more dependent upon the traffic from Dhaka so having organized the two day trip I was picked up yesterday morning. Sorry, I was picked up on Thursday morning, two days ago. And there was myself, the driver, Moshin, and, and two local coaches, a guy called Papu and a guy called Altaf. So they, we set off at eight o'clock in the morning and it reminded me of just... Uh, the camaraderie was there, the jokes were there, the laughing was there, the smiling. And you have to remember that I am English and the other guys are Bengali. So although my Bengali is improving, I don't know what they say all the time, anywhere near all the time. And their banter, their laughing and joking. And um, 
they tend to Bengalis have this they're a little bit my only other experience is, is like this is the Spaniards and sometimes the Italians they they shout and it's like to an English person it's like they're arguing and falling out but that to them is normal so we had a good few hours in the car where this this enormous volume of banter back and forth and I pick up the odd word and um, then they look at me occasionally and laugh and um, obviously they're saying things that are, are, are about me or involve me and I, I kind of just bite back and um, it's great, great, great banter and there's such a camaraderie. The words aren't always there but um, we know that we know that we know and um, there's a great deal of respect. So we set out on this journey and it takes us an hour and a half You've got to understand that this city of Dhaka has millions and millions of people. And these are people who every single day go about their daily business. Some of them are hawkers, street hawkers. They sell whatever they can to make a living for that day, to eat for that day. People ride and drive rickshaws. Heart, leg-breaking work. And, and people drive CNGs and, and, and uh, the tuk-tuks as you call them and, and, and motorbikes to, to make a living and people carry things to make a living and do hard manual labor. And there's, there, I just read a report the other day that the, the, the poverty rate in this country is about 20%. So, you know, if that's true, one fifth of the country's population are in a designated poverty situation, whatever the, the actual rationale of that is, whatever the, the level of that is, I don't know. So every fifth person that you come across is theoretically in a level of poverty and it's very, very humbling. So we set out and the traffic, the traffic, the traffic, and we set out and we, we drive. And um, after a while, we kind of break out of Dhaka and I say, are we out of Dhaka yet? No, no, are we out of Dhaka yet? No. And um, eventually we kind of hit a dual carriageway and we're on a free road, so off we go. And we, we have a coffee break and um, the, the, the driver stops to fill up with gas and we go in and it's everything in Bangladesh is hot, sweet, whether it's tea or coffee. They, they have a very sweet tooth, so you don't get much choice about having a, a, a coffee without sugar. It just comes with sugar, so you just go, okay, you know, yeah, great coffee. And um, it's a welcome break, so, so off we go. And we drive and we drive and we drive. And after three hours, we arrive at a city called Maiman Singh. And Moshin, the driver, who's a fantastic driver, he's made for the job. He takes no prisoners on the road, which, uh, you know, I don't mind saying that he kind of really helps in this environment. So we're undertaking, we're overtaking, we, we, there are no rules on this road, there are no rules. Dual carriageways, people just go either way. So you're driving down the dual carriageway and people on bikes, people walking, people on motorcycles, people in lorries and buses are just coming the other way at you. It is like a video game and you just get used to it. It's tremendously challenging to the psyche when you first get here, but you just get used to it. And this happens in the day and the nighttime, whether there's lights or not. And the scary thing about nighttime is that people just walk up the road pushing trucks and carts with no lights, nothing, and buses just traveling at 60, 70, 80 kilometers an hour. It is scary stuff, but that is the reality and the brutal reality of life in, in Bangladesh. So there we are, we set off, we've got a bag of balls, we've got some brand new numbered bibs, which I'm absolutely over the moon about, and I've got my notebook and we are looking for the one. We are looking for the talent who are going to change this nation. And I've kind of given it a little bit of a little bit of a title and it, it's a meaningful title. It's just meaningful to me personally. It's called Finding the One. 
and a lot of the the credit to that comes from uh, a book I read called Captain Class by a guy called Sam Walton. I've done a podcast about it. And Sam Walton has done a fantastic, fantastic study into some of the world's most successful sports teams. And it's such a wonderful read and the depth and detail of his analysis is there for all to see. And he talks about how the most successful teams in the world in their own individual sports all have one thing in common and he really does nail his colors to the mast and state this loudly and clearly and it's a wonderful read and it's a brilliant thing for a sports coach to hear is that all these teams had one thing in common and that one thing in common was one great leader at least one great leader and the success of those teams correlated with the arrival of the maximization of that individual's potential and their leaving that team or that organization it is that clear so i called it finding the one because if that's true then you know we find the one and then everything else will fall into place. Now, as sports coaches and football coaches, we know it's not all that simple. The Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful, and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport, and life. Leader Manager Coach. For the game. For life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store. There we are, we're finding the one without, and it's the first stage of a journey. We've got eight trips to make to the eight major cities in Bangladesh. And I'm lucky enough with some of my co-foreign co coaches to be able to go out and lead these the, these scouting missions and, and find all these this wonderful talent and experience everything on the way so off we're there we go to the second city this sorry the this this the first trip to the second most popular city which is a three-hour drive it's the only one maybe it's not the only one that n involves a road trip maybe there's another one or two that involve a road trip because some of them involve air travel because of the distance so there we are we arrive in Mymensingh and it is chocker block with rickshaws the streets are just jam packed rock solid very little movement with rickshaws and moshin is going left and right and asking people and the windows are wound down and they're shouting where's the Singh national district stadium blah 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 and eventually after probably another hour in Singh, we find this stadium and it's a looks like a 1960s concrete it's a bowl a massive bowl of seats and it's home to safe 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 however you pronounce it a sporting club who are a bangladeshi premier league club and arambag another bpl club bangladesh premier league club it's their home ground and there are people selling things outside and there's a few boys hanging around with the boots around the neck looking eagerly at us as we arrive it's about midday now on the on on the first day the thursday and outside there's um, as my mate mick said there'll be more people playing cricket than you can shake a stick at there's a group of lads playing cricket and a cow grazing 
So we walk, we get into the, the stadium, we walk in through to the stadium and the pit, there's a guy in the middle of the pitch with a plastic bag in dressed in traditional Bengali clothing. And he's walking around one at a time, picking up litter. The pitch is littered, and I mean littered, like a, it's like um, a pop concert when everybody's gone home. It's just littered with bottles and paper and plastic and rubbish. And he's we're supposed to be kicking off in about an hour and a half, but he's going around and he's picking his litter up. So but that's that's how it is. And there's goats grazing on the pitch. Um, and it's just amazing. So we we leave that and we go and get some lunch and um, we never actually made the lunch because the guys wanted to go to the mosque to do their daily prayers. So they go and do their prayers and by the time they've come back from the prayers, it's too late. So we, uh, we come back to the stadium and now there's about 50 boys. So there's 50 boys and we're welcomed. So we we want to get on with this it's now in the afternoon so this is the first trial so we we there, there's a referee there so we organize the boys into in, into teams and um but before we do that we have to go through the process of and this is such a, a an important point and it's such a point that's worth discussing in this part of the world the the administrative processes and the designated processes of registering your age are not as strict and are not done according to the same value structures they are in England if you like the UK and in Europe so people's ages are not always known and when when you discuss and when you ask and you find out why it appears that people especially in the rural areas don't take it as seriously you know they don't register the birth straight away and it can be literally weeks days months sometimes years after that people's births get registered so people kids maybe don't go to school until if 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 the first day that you're supposed to go to school is for example five years of age they don't go till the six or seven uh possibly and often they don't have a birth certificate so they'll have an education certificate which is when they I believe it's at some point when they do their exams and they leave their kind of junior school to go into a senior school and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong because this is what I've gleaned and picked up in this vague amount of information that's sometimes available it's an education certificate that registers when they take their exams or when they're ready to go to the school but if the if that is irrelevant they could be some kids might be nine some kids might be 11 some kids might be 13 so you get these kids who are coming for an under 15 trial and some of them have got facial hair and some have got chest muscles and some look like they're 16 17 18 and even 19 and you ask them what is your date of birth and they tell you their date of birth is the correct year but they and and sometimes you look at them and they're obviously 19 years of age coming for an under 15 trial and the only thing you can think of these boys are desperate just to get out of the place that they're in and are desperate to do well in football and desperate to get an opportunity and age kind of does not have the same thing the same meaning here as it does in Europe it's a very difficult thing to get used to but that's the reality and there's been some very strong conversations I don't mind saying and some very strong dialogue around this subject so we go up and down this line of boys who are standing there desperate to play. And the ones who look like they're not under 15, 
we just say to them, look, show us your certification. And they bring you kind of, I can't understand it because a lot of it's in Bengali. So the other coaches, the, the, the local coaches from Bangladesh, they, they look at these tattered, photocopied, faded bits of paper and just say, look, it's false. This is false. This is false. Next one, this is false. And we look at the boys and they look like they're young men. So we say to them, look, What's your date of birth? And they can't look you in the eye. They cannot tell you. They can't look you in the eye long enough to tell you the truth. So we just say, look, I'm sorry, but you're too old. So we send them away. Disappointing and a bit heartbreaking, but that's the reality. So we've got the rest of these lads and we set them off. And um, what's funny is that this is a national trial and there's goat, we've got the herd of the goats off the pitches and we've picked all the litter up, all the litter's being picked up. And we start them off. And um, I, I honestly think that some of the boys woke up that morning and traveled the two to three to four to five hours that whatever it took to get there however they got there walked or rickshaws or cngs or buses and just thought oh, i'm going to try out for my national team bangladesh and i don't think any of them some of them had actually played football before to be honest so i have to say the standard wasn't great but on the first day we we picked a goalkeeper and we picked a striker who showed a little bit of something that we may be able to work on. So that was day one. And I did go away with it a little bit of a heavy heart because I thought there's not a lot here. But this is, this is day one of trip one. So then we we said goodbye. The light was starting to fade and the, the guys were hungry because we hadn't had lunch. So um, we found a restaurant which was um, really funny. It was like a, the 1970s, um, Tico restaurant in my hometown um, in the UK where there was leatherette seats and there was a, there was a dog-eared faded burger and chips menu which um, I kind of negotiated some vegetable uh, fried rice because I'm a vegetarian and, and I asked for some coffee because I thought that was a safe bet to drink and um, again I had two welcome mugs of hot the blessing is it was hot sweet coffee before we returned to the to the hotel. Now the hotel was called the Amir International. Grand in name, but um, that was about it. Uh, so um, I slept on a street facing room, which was the noisiest room I have ever encountered in my life. I forced myself to sleep in this room and um, it was funny. I forced myself to sleep um, and, 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 and woke up the next day at six o'clock and got up and, and um, just started to get myself ready for the, for the next day. But it was noisy, noisy, noisy. But this is all in the name of finding the one. This is Bangladesh. It's raw, brutal, real Bangladesh. And it's a blessing to be there and to experience all this. So we... We get ready, the breakfast comes, and um, I'm quite careful about what I eat. And the guys actually said, that the Bangladeshi coach said, look, you know, the, the restaurant's not great. So I kind of, I was hungry. So I chanced the bread and he ate the bread and a little bit of jam. And then we set off again. It was nine o'clock by this time in the morning for the, for the second day of the trials. And it's a Friday, so it's not quite as busy. And we again, we arrive at the stadium, the goats are still there and, and there's people selling things outside, but now there's about 60 boys. So we go through the same process again of removing the ones that are, are, are too old. And we set off again, we do the same format, half an hour games, and this time the standard's a bit better. 
and there was a little bit more structure to the games and we choose another goalkeeper we choose another everybody wants to be midfield players it seems at the moment or oh, there's there's a lack of certainly a lack of defenders so i choose one defender who when he brings his paperwork by the end of the the end of the trials turns out to be too old so we have to leave him aside but we choose another four midfielders and there's one little tiny lad who is a year younger than everybody else and i never noticed him in the game but he came up to me at the end of the at the end of the trial and i noticed him before so we took his details and added him on as an as an add-on because you know he's got a little bit of spirit about him and we picked another striker so we ended up from this trip to Mayansing which is trip one with two goalkeepers two strikers and four midfield players which is a, a total of eight players so uh, that's what we came up with and then we had the hospitality at the end by, by the fantastic fantastic Bengali hospitality by the district of Mayansing the, the, the officials there who were so pleased to see us and welcomed us into the office their offices and we sat again we had hot sweet tea which you know you, you take and um it was 12 30 lunchtime when we left so we get into the car we said our prolonged goodbyes again and we set off and uh the, the lads need to go to the to the mosque because it's friday lunchtime because that's what happens on a friday um in in the, in the muslim world so we find a mosque and the lads park up outside moshin parks up outside and papu and altaf and moshin they go into the mosque and leave me just to rest my spirit in the car for for 25 30 minutes and then they come back and we drive and we hit the highway as, as we call it and we drive and we drive and we drive and again it's undertaking overtaking it's motorbikes it's people it's bamboo it's it's everything you can imagine and then we hit this crossroads this busy thronging crossroad it seems like it's a the road to nowhere and we hit this place and there's buses and cars and people crossing over and the traffic still and there's honking of horns and the guys are hungry so they pull up on the dirt track at the side and we get out and it is the most amazing experience we find a restaurant that's a local bengali restaurant where all the locals go and we're welcomed into it and look, you know, I don't mind saying I'm really, really careful about what I eat um, because, you know, you just I just haven't got the resistance as a foreigner, as an English person. I just haven't got the intestinal resistance that, that these people have to, 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 to some of the, the, the bugs that, that exist in this part of the world. You know, like, you know, the brutal reality is that the, the systems aren't the same and, and, and the hygiene systems aren't the same. And it's just how it is here. So I'm very careful about what I eat, but I'm hungry and they assure me that the, the food's OK. So I end up having and I pray, pray to Allah that um, the rice and vegetables will be good so and it's very tasty so we sit in this restaurant and we're eating the guys are eating chicken and meat and, and they bring me this this saffron colored rice and these vegetables which is um, always got this curried curried taste which is, which is nice it's, it's a great taste and this sweet molasses molasses the sweet molasses which looks like honey so i have some of that on and it's really tasty so we eat this and then i have another cup of hot sweet coffee <laughs> and um there's a young girl and a, and a, and a uh, fat maybe eight-year-old girl and then it looks like a, a mom it turns out to be a sister so I kind of chat a few words to her next next door and she's very humble and very sweet and, and, and very kind so um you know we just pay for her meal when we pay for ours it's like 200 taka which is less than two pounds 
two UK sterling pounds. You know, it's such great value food. So we eat up and then the guys spend 30 minutes bartering and, and, and arguing outside over with some street hawkers about buying honey. And is it first grade honey or second grade honey? And while this is going on, I'm just in awe of the whole thing around me. There's people selling clothes and vegetables and fruit. And there's this tremendously tumultuous noise of car horns and bus horns and people trying to cross the road. And it's commerce, commerce, commerce. And people asking for things. And yes, there's people begging and, and coming up to me all the time and asking for money and, and things like that. And this is just going on all the time. So eventually they get their bottles of honey, which cost about, again, another two pounds for an enormous bottle of honey, which in the UK would be probably 20 pounds easily from a decent shop so we get back into the car and i think oh we need we're going to be home soon and it's another three to four hours it's about, in fact it was about three three hours plus until we arrived because the traffic as we hit dhaka we hit the edge of dhaka which is the outskirts of the metropolis we have to go past the airport and again it's just it seems like there's four or five lanes of traffic trying to get into one moshin is a wonderful wonderful driver and we eventually get get through and then you know, it's two, we've been away for two days. It's a group of four lads, been away for two days, moshing the driver, Papu and Altaf, the coaches, and myself, the, the national coach. And, um, you know, it, it was a great two days. So we dropped Papu off and he makes his goes to make his way home and we say goodbyes. And then he drive me to, the, to um, where I'm staying and, and, and drop me off. And um, that was the first trip. And I've come back. We've got eight, eight names in our little notebook on the, on the way, we've done one of the eight trips, on the way to uh, finding the one and on, on the way to finding that group of 30 boys to make up the squad who will be trained at the Fortis Academy in Dhaka. So we've done 12.5% of the, of the process of the scouting and we've got another 87.5% to go. Well, what an absolute blessing. What an absolute experience to have this colourful, full-on, amazing work life of going through this process where on earth anywhere else can you find this kind of traffic experience this crack this kind of language experience this color this vibrancy this commerce this complete sensory overload that you get in this country of hundred of 170 million people with these amazing cities and amazing names and unbelievable color and hungry but beautifully peaceful loving people yes sometimes the, the truth as i see it doesn't always appear to be the same but they they are hungry for success and they welcome you and are so respectful and it is a complete blessing to be able to experience this i keep saying the same thing but that's how it feels and we've come away with these eight names and you know this is a job that 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 blimey i had no idea that i was going to be involved in the things that i'm doing these these things are, uh, are blossoming and growing and are, and are evolving and um you know with a team of people that we've got because everything's always a team of people it's always a team the people who organize it and yes sometimes it's hard work to to sell the organization on on why we think this is the best way forward and why we should do this because you know going out there and going into these villages and these and seeing these village players and and these other cities and, and and seeing the reality of what's out there the brutal raw talent 
and, and, and having that trained eye to be able to see it at the moment is the way forward as I, as I see it. And hopefully the local coaches will be able to be trained and, so that you can get a judgment on how well their, their eye is in, if you like, to spot the potential. Because as you scouts and, and youth coaches will know, it's not all about, the, you're not looking for the finished article. You're not looking for the biggest, the best, the strongest player. You're looking for that potential, that talent that you see something that you think that can be developed. It's not about the finished article, it's about the potential. And this is just such a beautiful, beautiful process. And um, it's a fantastic thing to be involved in. So I got home last night, um, back to the hotel, tired, hungry, and um, you know, that kind of well-satisfied feeling of thinking, well, if, if nothing else, and I've had this many, many times since I've been here in Bangladesh, if I do nothing else, if I experience nothing else, and if I went home tomorrow and drew a line under it, what I've experienced in the last two days is just absolutely unbelievable. So that's it. That's the story of finding the one. The trip to Mime and Sing. Trip one done. Ticked off. And what a great couple of days it's been. So uh, thank you, Bangladesh. And um, here's to the next stage of Okay. Hope you've enjoyed that Just a little little bit of an insight into what it's like um, here on the ground in Bangladesh in this particular part of the quest for uh, finding the one. <clears throat> so I'll catch you later. As always, really appreciate you listening, and um, hope you got something out of it. All right, catch you later. Bye bye.